This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. So learn about all the shows in our network, including the Ready to Run podcast, which is one of our newest shows at sandyboyproductions.com. All right. Really excited about this guest today. Lucy Bartholomew is joining us on the show today. Lucy is an ultra runner and now she's also an Ironman. She completed her first Ironman last year. She placed fourth, grabbing herself a spot to compete in Kona. So she's also going to be doing that this year. But Lucy broke out onto the ultra scene back in like 2017. And uh, well, actually, she ran her first ultra at 15 years old. She's going to tell you about that story in this episode. Uh, but she broke out into the scene and actually placed third in 2018 at Western States. And what we're going to learn in this podcast is what that time in her life looked like and how she has overcome so much in these last five years. I told her in the episode, I'm so glad I'm interviewing you now rather than right after you place third at Western States because she's learned so much since that time in her life and grown so much. And though she's only 26 years old, she is wise beyond her years. I cannot believe I was talking to a 26-year-old in this conversation. Um, She's supported by Solomon. I know I focus a lot on Western states because here in the United States, we talk about Western states a lot. But Lucy has won a ton of prestigious races, including Ultra Trail Cape Down, Tarawera. I probably said that wrong. Don't make fun of me, Ultra Runners. Ultra Marathon by UTMB. Ultra Trail Australia by UTMB. Devil's Ridge Ultra, North Burn 100, the list goes on. Okay, I'm probably missing something super important. But uh, what we also talk about in this episode is not necessarily being so results focused and finding the happiness in the doing, not just what the outcome is. I learned a lot from Lucy Bartholomew and she was such a joy to talk to. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. You can find Lucy on Instagram. She's Lucy underscore Bartholomew over there. And this episode of the podcast is supported by Lagoon Sleep. Listen, this is the best pillow you are going to find. I have been on the hunt for a good pillow for a very, very long time. And I just cannot believe that I found Lagoon. The deal is, is that if you want better performance when it comes to running, training, work, whatever it is, you have to prioritize your recovery and sleep is the most important piece to this. The older I get, the more important my pillow gets. Not only the pillow on my head, I also sleep with body pillows. I'm like a sea of pillows when I sleep. And the Lagoon pillow is the one on my head. I have the Fox, my husband has the Otter. And don't just take my word for it, you gotta check it out. And they have a two minute quiz that'll guide you to the perfect pillow for you. Just go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. And use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. Now you fill out the quiz, have your partner fill out the quiz, get your home set up with good pillows so everybody can be sleeping better because when we sleep better, we're nicer to each other, right? Lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your purchase. All right, friends, 
here's the time when I ask you to leave me a rating and review so that potential new listeners can find us. You are entered to wear a pair of gooder sunglasses when you leave a rating and review every month. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Lucy Bartholomew. Uh, All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Lucy Bartholomew on the show. Welcome to All Have Another, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Are you totally sleep deprived? All the time zone changes, all the traveling? I am. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. I feel like I'm just in this vortex of just going with the flow. And um, and I love it. I feel like I've totally sunk into that experience of just being like, if people want to run, I'll run. If people are going to bed, I'll go to bed. If we're having a meal, great. <laughs> like I'll do whatever. <laughs> what a freeing way to feel. I know. It's so, I feel like time is just something that I, I don't, I don't even look look at my watch. I don't know. And it's amazing how the body's just able to like, oh, it's getting dark. Let's go to bed or I'm kind of hungry. Oh, it's around a meal time. Like it's, yeah, I just feel very in tune. Um, but at the same time, I'm like a routine is probably a good thing to start building. <laughs> Um, well, it's so true too. Cause I, you know, you know, in the winter when it gets dark so early and you're like, why do I feel like I need to go to bed right now? But it's like, oh, that's probably actually what was meant to happen. Like it gets dark and it's bedtime. Totally. It's so crazy. Like when I left Australia, they were like, you know, where the sun's coming up at 4am going to going down at 10 PM. And here it's just like, man, the days are short, you know, and I've got a, I'm a sleeper in her. I'm a, a very chill start to the day. And, um, so it's been something that I've been like, okay, Lucy, if you want to get your four hours of running in, you're going to have to hustle a little. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so true. Oh man. Maybe that's why people in Australia are so happy. It's light all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do have our winter, but, um, I just kind of have always tried to travel away from that. So I'm just, when I, now I'm in Boulder and I'm getting like a real winter, I've been like, Whoa, man. Yeah. We've got to make use of the hours because there's not as many, but I love it. I think it's so, like you say, it's seasonal. It's what you're meant to do in this time. It's a time of rest and staying warm, sleeping lots, eating warm, hearty food. Mm. And, um, yeah, it feels really good. Now you are a person that I feel like could really thrive on the wonder lust life though. You've been traveling all over the world from such a very young age. Where does that come from? That wonder lust life experience and that desire to live like that. I think, you know, yeah, I've been super, super lucky to have amazing opportunities thrown my way. Um, and starting so young, I've always had kind of that, that confidence and that independence to just put myself in, in towns and places that I don't know and to connect with people that I've never met. Um, and then just the curiosity of like, you know, this planet is so big and living in Australia, I really feel the distance because Mm -hmm. for me to get to America, for me to get to Europe, it's a ways. Um, but I think that, yeah, I've just surrounded myself with people who are go-getters. My dad is someone who's always been like, go Lucy, what's the worst? You catch a plane, you come back. You know, it's, uh, it's never too, too risky to try and put yourself in these situations. And I feel like I've learned so much about how to, to navigate challenging situations, how to financially look after myself, how to communicate with people. Um, and it's just really kind of 
allowed me to lean in with the community and yeah, and just enjoy running for all that it is around the world. I'm always so curious though, like how much of this is nature versus nurture? Like how much of this is like who you are, who you were born to be? And then what did your parents do to encourage the lifestyle? I know your dad's an ultra runner. You ran your first ultra with him, but then didn't you go like explore and some adventure out of the country when you were like 17 all by yourself? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, when I made the world sky running team for Australia, I flew across to Chamonix. So a small mountain town in France and definitely not one of the cheapest places to go. It's a big tourist destination. Um, and you know, I financially paid myself there. I had to be very mindful of how much I was spending whilst I was away. And to be fair, I came back with like 20 Australian dollars. You know, I was riding a fine line on that. Uh But um, yeah, I think that it's kind of a mixture of both. I think that I have a natural born curiosity and kind of, I do have a confidence in me that's probably allowed me to, to feel very safe and able to put myself in situations. But at the same time, I think that like my dad's been someone who's just kind of been like, get out there. Like I traveled the world after university. I lived abroad. It's the best university of life that you can lead is to, to travel and to interact with people who are not from your little circle. And I love that. I think that, you know, one of the things that is one of my favorite parts about traveling is the ability to connect with people who, yeah, not the runners, not the, you know, not the athletes that maybe, you would think that I surround myself with, like, I want to stay at people's houses who are just locals and can give me that experience and show me the other beautiful parts. Cause like the trails are cool, but there's more to the world than the running. And that's kind of what I'm really interested in. So when you were a little girl, like, was there ever a moment where you realized like, I'm a little bit different than these kids that are, you know, going through the motions, like, where you saw the adventure seeking side of yourself was like a little more extreme. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, so I ran my first hundred kilometers when I was 15, which automatically made me a very different child. Um, You know, I would come, I remember running the hundred K on the Saturday, Monday, I was back at school and everyone was like, what did you do on the weekend? And everyone was like, Oh, sleepovers, you know, I had dragged out hiking by my parents for half an hour type thing. And I was like, (laughs) I ran for 12 and a half hours with my dad along the coastline, eating pot noodles and drinking Coca-Cola. And everyone was like, that doesn't sound fun. (laughs) Um, so that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I think that as it's progressed, you know, those kind of milestone birthdays, like my 18th birthday, usually a massive celebration. A lot of people are having big parties. You can drink legally in Australia at that oh, age. Oh, 18. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so for my 18th birthday, I ran a hundred kilometers in um, the Blue Mountains in Sydney. And I was like, it's kind of the same thing because I had a big night. I threw up. I was <laughs> totally exhausted. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of just doing things differently. Um, but it, yeah, it's kind of always been those milestone birthdays where I've caught up with my friends and I've from school. And they're all now like graduated. They've got, they're getting married. They've got degrees. They've got these jobs of lawyers and doctors, the things that we talked about, like dreaming of being. And every year I'm like, yeah, yep. Still running. Yep. <laughs> you know, traveling, running. Yep. Solomon. Yep. Cool. You know, it's just, but at the same time, like 
I have this deck of experience and uh, memories and knowledge that I would never give up um, just to kind of fit into what I guess is more societally acceptable. I mean, yeah. And you're 26, 26, like so much, so much that you have done. It's, it's really, really wild, honestly. It is. It's uh, I was at a athlete summit just in California recently with some guy, a guy in the sport who's a massive inspiration to me, Sage Canada. Oh, okay. And and I met him when I was in New Zealand and I was 15 and he was there as the pro athlete. He won the race. And I remember going up at the athlete barbecue and being like with my dad, I had my dad by my side and I was like, um, can I get a photo with you and your <laughs> girlfriend? And I have this photo and I'm this like bright red, just like totally in awe. And I was just at an athlete summit with him where I was like, you know, we were like sharing a meal and going for runs together. And I was like, 10 years, Sage, you've been in my world. Like, it's so wild that now I can call you, you know, a really good friend. And that's just like the coolest thing ever. So cool. I'm curious what you're like, what's going on with your dad right now? I, you know, we, the story goes that he's the one that really got you into the ultra running. You got into Western States, like right early on. And he had never been in yet. He tried for a long, tried for a long time. So, um, I'm super curious where he's at in his running and how he supports you in your journey. Yeah, it's really an exciting year for the Bartholomews. Um, so when I, we ran my first hundred K, I was 15 and he was 50. That was kind oh. of like the ages. And then he saw me get into Western States, which is a race that he'd been trying to get into for years. We'd watched Unbreakable, the movie. We kind of like, we knew all about it, big fans of the sport. And so when I got in, I remember calling him and being like, dad, I've been given a bib for Western States. And it was like static on the other end, you know, it was kind (laughs) of like, hello. And he was just like, oh, my daughter has just gotten in. She hasn't like, I'm like six years deep into this thing. And she just clicks her fingers and it falls into place kind of thing. Um, So he came along, he saw me do the race. It was the most beautiful experience. Uh, Someone wrote in an article that he was like Mufasa from the Lion King, like walking around real like proud and just like this, like, yeah, this lion of a man, you know, just absolutely loving the whole, the race that was going on. Um, Then he came back in 2019, watched me run again. Uh, So he watched a good race of mine and a bad race. And so he had to endure the in-betweens. Um, and then he's been continuing to try to get in. And then in December last year, finally, after I think it was eight or nine years, he gets to run. So this year is all about him on June 24th. Uh, so he's 61 years old and he's finally going to get his chance. Uh, and the whole family is going to come out. Even my non-running brother, who's a DJ, he's coming. My brother. Yeah. It's going to be just the biggest vibe and it's all about like just making it under 30 hours and getting him to Auburn in one piece but uh yeah I he's just tra- like at the moment he's racing and training with like this next level um like energy you know he's just kind of like I am running western states and it's so cool for me I get to see the race and be a part of it without the kind of the shutters that come on when you've got a race coming up this time I can just like eat whatever and stay up late and just be a bit more fun probably to be around. Um, and he can be the, the one that's bed at 9 PM and eat your rice and veggies and yeah, get ready to race a hundred miles. Yeah. You're there for the party and I'm, a, are you crewing him? I'm assuming. 
I certainly am and probably yeah. pacing a section, but um, yeah, it's just going to be the best. I was so excited. Do you have two brothers? I have two older brothers. Yeah. A DJ brother. And what does the other brother do? So my other brother, Josh, um, so he's the eldest. He's a sports teacher in Melbourne. Um, okay. And he came across when I ran in 2019. He paced me for the first section. Uh, and then he did race the Broken Arrow Sky Race. I coach him. He's a great runner, built like um, a fast sprinter more so. But uh, yeah, so he's a really talented athlete. And we're trying to get the, the DJ brother to, um, yeah, to start jogging. <laughs> I was I was curious if, if the oldest brother there was also like the non-traditional job as well. We've got a DJ and an ultra runner, but the, the sports teacher is a little more traditional. Yeah. So my brother, I was telling some friends last night, he's like the he got good grades. He got through school really well. He got the, the girlfriend, the house, the job. You know, he's like tick, 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 tick. And then my middle brother went through and he was kind of the opposite. You know, school was didn't come easily jumped around with degrees, um, you know, moved overseas, came back, la, la, la. And so when it came to me, it was kind of like, Lucy, just get through this, you, <laughs> you know? And I was like, thank God I didn't follow J- Josh. Josh, he's too too easy. Everything looked too perfect. So, um, yeah, it's a fun family. But uh, it's uh, my dad was uh, someone who struggled at school and was more of just like a free spirit that wanted to travel. And my mom was more like an academic. So it was kind of going to go either way. And so are your parents divorced? Yes. So my mom lives in the UK and then my dad in Australia. And so how old were you when that happened? So they split up when I left high school. So it was kind of that deal of we'll wait so it doesn't affect her high school by doing it. And I was like, you guys could have done it long before that. It was not really like helpful, but um, it means that I have a home on each side of the world now. So it's kind of perfect. Yeah. I always wonder about that debate. I think a lot of parents probably think that because they're like, I we want it to stay intact while our kids are in the home. But oftentimes you hear people after the fact say, I wish you would have done what would have made you happy. I don't know what the answer is. Neither do I. I think it's like, yeah, it's kind of, it could go either way, but um, it's kind of worked out. You know, my brother, the DJ is kind of in Europe. So he DJs a lot on like Ibiza and in London. And so he's got mom, which is really nice. Josh is in Australia, has dad support. And I just bounce between the two. So, <laughs> You're just everywhere, perfect. literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard you mention on another podcast that you don't drink. No, no. At all, ever. No, no. I. Um, it's something that has, I've kind of seen the, the darker side to it. And I just understand my personality. I'm someone who's kind of all in or not in. Um And I think that, I don't know, I've just seen in my family, it can kind of hit or miss again. And I'm just like, I've seen it go too badly that I don't really want to partake. Um, And it's probably better for my personality to just kind of steer clear of that type of thing. So have you ever had one sip of beer? I have. I have tried alcohol when I was younger. um, And it was probably more so just to fit in. It was more of just like a social thing. I never enjoyed the taste. I didn't enjoy the feeling. Um, And so it was kind of an easy thing for me to be like, before this becomes something that I do enjoy, and maybe I lean on, I'm just going to call it. Um, But you know, at the same time, like, I also never want to like miss an experience. So something like, um, a Solomon teammate, Francois Dehaene. He's a French mountain runner. He makes his own wine. Mm. I mean, I will sip it and be like, oh, 
like, I don't love the taste, but I appreciate that you love this and that this is good wine. Um, but it's definitely not something that I would uh, partake in at all. This episode of the podcast is supported by Athletic Greens. And I got to tell you, I am hooked on Athletic Greens. I have been hearing about AG1 forever. That is the Athletic Greens product that is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced nutrients in one convenient daily serving. You just put one scoop in, shake it up with eight ounces of water, start your day with it, get your energy going, and it will have you feeling balanced and supported, both your immune system, your digestive system. It has prebiotics, probiotics to help with your gut health, and it also provides metabolism, energy, and stress support. I wake up in the morning, I go straight to my cabinet to get my athletic greens, start my day like that. I love starting the day with a healthy habit, putting this nutrient-dense product into my body. I'm telling you, you gotta try it. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, you will get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five travel packs. You're going to want those travel packs. It helps because you feel like, oh, I'm starting the day the same way I do at home, even when I'm on the go. And plus, when you're traveling, you might not get the nutrient-dense meals that you get at home. So it's that extra security blanket there as well. Like, you know you're getting those 75 vitamins and minerals in when you take your AG1 in the morning. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, and you will get that free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 plus five travel packs of AG1. All right, friends, back to the show. I'm so curious about this though, because I wonder about this like kind of, I don't know if addictive is the right word, but nature of ultra runners and anybody really who does an endurance sport, because it's like, you need to be fed more and more and more miles. So, and you do oftentimes see a lot of trail runners, ultra runners who are in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. So um, I'm curious what your feelings are on that addictiveness of running or physical movement in that endurance form. Yeah, totally. It's definitely an interesting one. I think that like the ultra running world. Um, and I think sport in general is riddled with, you know, mental health and dependency and have people that have come from other things and they're replacing it with running, which is quote unquote, a healthier, obviously alternative. But at the same time, is that like the amount of running that is done and the depths that you will push your body to is unhealthy. Um, and it's something that I've like kind of had to balance. Cause I was always like, more is more is more. And it was when I ran this 250 kilometer, 150 mile, maybe long run that I did that I was kind of like, Lucy, you're not, you're not more because you're doing more. And this isn't like one of those things of like, you're way better to just like be sustainable and healthy and happy and just content with the the roller coaster that comes with training. But I do think that, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's an interesting sport because it's not an easy sport. It's a very impact sport. You definitely are pushing your body. You're pounding it every day. Um, and, you know, we enjoy it when it's over, but there's times in it that you're just like, man, this is, this is not good. And I've, I've experienced moments where I've been like, I am 
severely dehydrated. I am running on very few hours of sleep. I can feel my body struggling, but this is my career. This is what I'm doing. And so there's a, like, I always feel like when I have like young girls that want to come into this sport, I'm so aware of being like, you, to be a runner, you don't have to be an ultra runner. Yeah. And I think that this is like the important thing is like, and you don't have to do mountain running just around the ovals on the, on the flat, like along the river, you don't need to. And I think that I remember when I ran my first five kilometers, three miles nonstop, and I went to school just waiting for the news reporters to start interviewing me. I was like, I just did something so amazing. <laughs> I ran five kilometers nonstop here's my signature. (laughs) And now it's kind of like, you know, is it worth getting out of bed for less than 10 miles? Uh And it's like this kind of, and it was really during COVID that in Australia, we got one hour of exercise and a five kilometer radius that we were able to travel. And it was that when I was like, wow, I'm I'm training seven hours a week. I'm not going onto trails, mountains. I'm just running roads. And it was like, this is kind of great. Like an hour is so perfect. You can run hard, you can run easy, you can do whatever, but that's all I really needed. It was, you know, I would, I didn't yearn for more and I just kind of, but my ego was like, oh, Lucy, your Strava graph is making a real drop. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, this is really kind of cool to navigate and realize that I just love running. If I can have it as a small part of my day, it doesn't need to be the day, the night and the next day. Um, And I think that's where like, I probably went away from that addicted personality where it was like three hours or more. Like, let's just, you know, you're an ultra runner, run ultra distances to being like, let's just appreciate the daily routine that running can be a part of. And that's such a privilege. Um, And I think that that's something that I hope that people start to see is that running is not ultra running. You can do just running at any, for any pace, any distance, however you like. I love that you're not more because you're doing more. That's like how we think about life in general. Like we, you know, you think you're more if you're doing more and that's just not, it's just simply not true. Um, And I think a lot of our listeners are probably more like half marathon, marathon runners, but similar to what you're saying about the ultra, I think a lot of people get stuck on this like marathon. Like I have to run marathons to be a legitimate runner. And that's just not simply not true. And, and we do get in that like, cycle of like, I have to run a a marathon this fall, this spring. And you don't. No, no. (laughs) And like, I think that that's, yeah, I think that's where for me, it's really important to do all the different distances and to put up on Strava a 10 minute run. Maybe that's my double. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all I feel like doing. It's not like this isn't worth logging because for some people that's their goal. And I I really want to show that like everything is something and everything adds up to something bigger. Um, And, you know, I think that's kind of like an important thing, especially in the ultra running space is it's like in America, it seems to be a hundred miles is kind of like, that's an ultra runner. You're not an ultra runner. Yeah. Whereas, you know, in Australia, it's probably more like a hundred K, but like technically, you know, it's 42.3 kilometers. Yeah. Like, let's just take a step over that distance and welcome to the club, you know, if that's what you're chasing. Um, but a run is a run. You run across the road. Good. Great. Welcome to the club of being a runner. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're all born it. And so I think that it's um, there doesn't need to be this exclusivity of like you must do this in order to to get the badge of honor of the club. Yeah, and obviously we're talking to you who have who has done how many hundred mile races? Like so many. Yeah. <laughs> do you have an answer to that? Do you know? Off the top well, of your head. In, in 100 miles, I've actually only done two. So I've done okay. Western States twice. I've started three times, but didn't finish last year. And so this February in like four weeks, I'm doing my first non-Western States 100 miler, which is exciting. <laughs> but you did the 152. Yes, that, that was, was a race. That wasn't a race. That was like a, yeah. What was, what was that endeavor though? Like what was, was it like organized at all? It was a COVID project. It was kind of just like a, a lockdown. I've always wanted to do this long trail. My dad more so wanted to do it. Um, it's like a two-week hiking trail. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where I was stuck in lockdown. I was like, all I want is to run for as long as I want, for as far as I want. And so I found the longest trail in Australia and I drove out there with two guys who made a film on it. And it was a bit of a gnarly experience and it was something that I reflect on and I'm like, was it the smartest thing I've ever done? No. Would I do it again in that way? No. But it was like something that really made me like stop in my tracks and be like, just because you went longer didn't mean that you felt any better at the end. You know, I probably feel more adrenaline and endorphins from running a hard 5k 3k like a park run we call in Australia um that gets me jazzed more so than yeah than the long long stuff where at in the end all you feel is completely fatigued um really really just swollen <laughs> and you know it just feels like I've really dug myself a hole um so it was a cool experience but it was something that I would wouldn't like go and recommend to anybody. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your shift a little bit. Uh, and I think to go there, we have to go back to like third place, Western States and your debut Western States. And then the next year, as you mentioned, your dad went to both and the next year. Wasn't such a great race. Um, talk about the joy at that first time experience versus what happened the next time you went and ran it. Yeah, definitely. So when I lined up for Western States in 2018. Um, like I said, I got this, offered this bib. It was never part of my plan. And then my plans shifted to being like, I think I was going to run more uh, marathon distance uh, trail races. And then it was like, no, I'm doing a hundred miles. Like we're going to shift to the new level. And I trained for that race, knowing that this was such an opportunity, such a privilege and wanted to give it my all. And and I did. In fact, I gave probably too much. Like when I look back and I reflect, I was an unhealthy per version of myself um, in terms of like, I, if you think of life as burners on a stove and sometimes the training burner has to be a little higher and everything else has to kind of dilute. I just turned everything else off, you know, like my relationships, I wasn't interested in everything else. It was like, I was training for Western States. And in order to do that, I had to completely lock myself out. So I kind of pushed myself in that way. And I lined up and I raced a really good race. You know, I had, I ran really well to about a hundred kilometers. Uh, I led the way Then I was passed by Courtney DeWater, who's obviously an incredibly famous name in the sport um, and managed to hold on for third, getting passed by Caitlin Gerben. But it was just like, 
the biggest experience of my life to be this young Australian. I was 22 years old and I was just doing something I'd never done before, distance and terrain that I had never experienced. And I think in some, in the same article, they referred to my dad as like the Mufasa. They referred to me as like a, a, a golden retriever brought home for the first time. Like I was just so wide eyed, just having the best time. Cause I just had no expectations. I was like, man, if I just do Western States once, then that's, that's all I ever wanted. And so I finished that. I was super stoked and I did what I would, this was probably my undoing of the last four years was that I was like, I'm fit and I want to stay fit. And I didn't take that time. You know, if you come third at Western States, if you finish Western States, you should take months to let that sink in. And you can ride that high of like, I just ran Western States, like take the rest of the year off. You have done your, you've done your dues out there. But I just wanted to keep racing. I was feeling good. I was getting handed opportunities and I was just young. And I was like, cool, like I'm doing that, do this. Yes, sure. Absolutely. No problem. And I just burnt myself out. And so then come the 1st of January, 2019, that's when I started training for Western States 2018, the year before I was like, all right, time to replicate the same build. And everything from day one felt so tough and so hard. And it was just that constant comparison. You know, Strava's like, one year ago, you did this run. And I was like, oh, great. Like a lot faster and a lot easier and a lot more joy. And so I was just fighting. Like I was grinding to the start line. And then I got to the start line and I felt like I'd run 30 Western States beforehand. And so, and it was the same thing. It just got into my head from the top of the first climb. I looked at my watch and I remembered what was last year and it wasn't the same. And then that just spiraled me mentally. And the only thing that really got me through was my brother pacing me. I really wanted him to get out on course with me. And then pure stubbornness got me the last 20 miles. But it was just one of those, yeah, one of those days where I was like, you know, there's a wait list of people that want to run Western States truly, authentically. And that would be their one and only dream. And you took the spot knowing that you didn't really want to do it because you just felt like you had to and selfishly kind of just like grinded it through. Um, And so I was like, you know, it would have, in hindsight, I shouldn't have started that race, but it was interesting to kind of like go through that comparison because that's where I was in a space that I was in. And then I got back into Western States through a world tour spot again and COVID shut it down blessing in disguise for me because again I just had two years of finding my love for the sport training an hour a day and just appreciating that but then lined up last year and feeling really good mentally um, and really kind of like this is just like a celebration of getting back to here this is just going to be like a totally different experience and just enjoy it because fully knowing that I'd probably step away from Western States for a little bit after it and was kind of happy just to have this kind of celebration run. And and in the end, I ended up taking a fall and hitting my head at 30 miles in and getting a concussion and getting pulled out. Mm. And I think for me, that was just kind of, I started a spiral again of just like, man, like this, nothing is coming easy anymore. It's just like, yeah, kind of fighting everything. And so 
it's been really challenging, but at the same time, Western States is like this bookmark in my journey that this year I get to come to for my dad and create a really good experience and celebrate someone else and all the other athletes that have always supported me regardless of how the day has gone. And that's what I really value is like everyone has treated me the same, whether I came third, whether I DNF'd. And I just love that. And that's what I appreciate so much in this sport is just the the acknowledgement of the training and standing on a start line is the hardest part of this whole process. The running, that's easy. The finish line, that's easy. Um, but kind of understand people understanding my situation and and kind of how much Western States has meant to me and how much of a life-changing run that third place was that I wasn't prepared for. I wasn't prepared for the 50,000 new followers that I got and that's 50,000 opinions and people watching on. And that kind of really is something that now I'm really passionate when young girls do really well. I'm always reaching out and being like, hey, that's awesome. Congrats. If you need any support with like this new level of um, people following you and people looking at you and the expectations, uh, then I'm here to talk about that because I totally understand it. Gosh, I'm so glad we're doing this interview now opposed to four years ago. You know, I remember when you got third place at Western States and everybody's like, Lucy Bartholomew, this, this Australian, and she's so young and, you know, and it's interesting. I actually tend to shy away from interviews of people that are like really that young. Cause I'm like, I want to see where life takes them a little bit more first and look at, look at where we are. Like at 20, you know, when you were on that third place finish, like you had no idea. Mm, what was about to transpire like so much like what do you and it wasn't that long ago I mean it really really wasn't but I bet you feel like so much life has been lived so much life and and just like a totally different person you know like I in in going back to that like burners like they're all on now and it's just kind of like a much more healthy sustainable kind of just joyful I'll run when I can I'll do what I love um obviously I want to compete but like I'm not going to risk my health just to appease a lot of uh, people of what I they think I should look like how I should train or what I should do um yeah it's funny I think that that race was just like it was it was really cool but if I could go back and come seventh but not have dug myself such a big hole doing it I would have taken that like being on the podium was awesome. It's a privilege. It's obviously a career highlight. It's something that on a resume looks phenomenal, but I always want to reassure people that like those pictures, which are always used of me because they're, they're great. You know, it's, it's a happy day, but I'm not a, a beacon of health in that. And people need to understand that like you see third place at Western States, 18 hours, 59 minutes, but you don't see the the unhealthy the unsustainable and that's not something you should aspire to you can aspire to the time yeah but don't look at me in those pictures as like something that you want to look like um because it's not who I am it was something that I was I kind of worked really hard to grind myself into and it's really nice now to be yeah exactly who I am and just kind of be okay with that and um, hopefully be able to represent that kind of way of running rather than the beat yourself into a shape and um, have one good year. 
So when you say what you looked like, are you talking about like the strength of your body or like, were you undernourished? What, what exactly do you mean when you say that? Yeah, I was definitely um, at a very low body weight, uh, very low body fat percentage and just uh, not sustainable. It was just one of those, you know, I wasn't intentionally doing it. It's just the training for 100 miles is massive. And I didn't have the education and I didn't have the guidance of people to kind of say, hey, like you follow up a vegan diet. That's awesome. But you need to there's a balancing scale. And at the moment it's uneven. And I just didn't even like, even my dad who was with me for a lot of the training because he saw me every day, he didn't see the changes. And it's until we look back that both of us and even him, I think he, you know, was like, I didn't step in, but I didn't see it. Like I, you were eating, you were running it. You're running really well. Like there was no signs for me. He's obviously a dad, you know, he's, he's kind of just like, oh, you're happy. Great. I'm happy, you know? (laughs) Um, And so it's only until like we reflect on it that it was kind of like, oh man, like we didn't, we didn't acknowledge this. And um, yeah, it was kind of something that we, now we're both like, it's cool for him. He's like very aware. So am I. And it's something that brought us a lot closer, especially when it started to fall apart. Dad was there to pick up the pieces. Well, (laughs) also too, like when you're in the depths of training like that, probably happens so gradually too. Like the intensity picks up, the intensity picks up, the weight drops, the weight drops. And you probably really have to eat all day, every day to to keep up. Totally. And you know, and it's kind of like, because you're running all day, every day, it's like, well, when, when is this, when do I fit it in? Yeah. And so I think that that was something that was just like a really kind of big learning curve, even for the following year, it's just that the damage had been done. And so I didn't have that positive reassurance. I was always like, man, this is just not, not feeling good yet. I'm eating more to hopefully make me feel good, but it's not, it wasn't a positive cycle. And so it was just a bit of a battle between like, this is what I should do, but then this is what I kind of just want to do. And um, yeah, it's something that like now I feel like it's in a really good place and really healthy and sustainable. Did you work with someone like a dietitian on that? Yeah, I worked with dietitians. I worked with sports therapists, like um, mindset people. Uh, I had a whole crew. I kind of worked through with a lot of different people in the same area just to kind of get different opinions and nutrition and that kind of stuff really fascinates me. It's something that I'm really passionate about. I love cooking and um, I wrote an ebook, a cookbook in lockdown um, in COVID. So it's something that I was really passionate about and wanted to learn. And it was never, I thought that it would be kind of like a downfall for me. Um, So it's kind of really nice now to have had so many opinions and have these conversations and just kind of work through that so that I can talk to other people as well and just kind of give them that heads up before they hit the rock bottom like I did. Yeah. I think it's an interesting position to be in too, when you're coming from a place where you didn't struggle with an eating disorder or anything like that beforehand. So it kind of like blindsides you, you Mm. know, um, you didn't see it coming and then you realize like, Oh, I'm in a hole here. Um, how have you like truly dug yourself out of that place and gotten to this place of peace that you and health that you are now? Well, I think the best thing for me was COVID. COVID and the lockdown, we had like 500 days, I think it was in Australia of lockdown. And it was kind of the best thing for me. I didn't travel internationally. My routine was simple. I was able to kind of, 
I wasn't Lucy, the internationally running ultra runner. I was running an hour a day. I was living in Diamond Creek in Melbourne, Australia. I was just kind of, you know, it was like a quote unquote conventional and like, you know, to me, it was like quite a, a boring life, you know, it yeah. was just like, okay, like things are really dialed back when you're used to living on the go out of your backpack and just like full gas all the time. It was kind of like, oh, what do I do with these other 23 hours the day apart from the hour that I'm running and a bit of sleeping? Like, <laughs> what do I do? Um, so that kind of really made me have to mellow out and just be like, okay, if you're not that, what are you? Cause you're a, you're a sister, you're a daughter, you can do a cookbook, you're creative. What else do you love? There's got to be other passions. And so for me, it was just kind of like finding those other areas of myself that I'm really, uh, I have curiosity and interest in and just diving into it. And, and um, I think that gave me kind of more, um, more arrows to my bow kind of thing, more things that I could lean on when running wasn't going well or when I just had done my allocated amount and it was time to do other things. So I think that was really good. And then it was definitely really challenging getting back into the routine of traveling because suddenly it was like after two years of having routine, it was like, oh man, like I'm just exhausted and there's so many people and I do these social events and runs and suddenly I, I you took the same question and the same thing 500 times to people and I was like I used to be so this used to come so naturally to me you know um so it was kind of also good to learn like what are my what are my boundaries you know when when do I look after myself and say hey like I need to sleep and I need to just like remove myself from this situation or this is making me uncomfortable this is making me tired and just like give energy and take energy in the same way. Um, so it's definitely been kind of like having COVID kind of really mellowed everything out. Then it kind of got heightened. And now this year, I feel like I'm traveling with this new level of I'll do what I can. I'll do what I love. If I want to do it, I'll do it. If I don't, then I like I have no problem in saying sorry, like I can't, this isn't like, I want to show up as my best self for everyone and for myself. And if I can't do that, I'm not going to come, I'm not going to do it. So it's just kind of been like a bit of a growing up, a bit of a growth in terms of like my communication and my ability to, to say no, because I think it's, it's a very young and exciting thing to say yes, 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 yes. yes. But it's very courageous to be like, actually, I'm really sorry, but like right now I can't do this. Hey, everybody, I want to let you know that I have training plans on my website, lindsayhine.com. If you just click on the training plans tab, you will find two 5k training plan options, a beginner intermediate plan and a beginner plan. I also have four options for the half marathon starting at a very, very beginner plan all the way to an advanced plan. Those are all $35. And then I have a marathon plan. I have three options, beginner, intermediate and advanced. I tend to be fairly conservative on mileage, but I always say when you use a plan that is pre-written, you need to just trust your body, listen to your gut, and kind of cater things along the way. But I think these are really good guides and they can serve as a great plan to guide you to your marathon or your half marathon or your 5K. What they come with is a very detailed pre and post run stretching and strength routine, along with a once or twice per week strength, very basic strength routine that I recommend everybody do to stay injury free. And then I have a pace chart. So it comes with a pace chart 
and it'll list out goal times for your races for the half marathon or the marathon and give you an idea of ranges you should be looking to hit for easy runs, tempo runs, intervals, and marathon or half marathon paced workouts. And there's a range on all of these paces because I don't think you can really target a very, very, very specific time. You gotta listen to your body and really run based on effort. But if you follow this as a loose guide, it can give you an idea of what kind of shape you're in. Um, So you all can go to lindsayhine.com for a limited time through the month of February. I'm gonna offer a $10 off discount on all the training plans. Just use the code ANOTHER10 for $10 off any of those training plans. Another one zero. That's lindsayhine.com. Use the code another one zero for $10 off the training plans through the month of February. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of the show. It's wild to me that you're only 26 and making these really smart decisions. Cause can you imagine if you were burning at both ends, like you were for like the next decade, like how would you have even survived that? I, I wouldn't have, you know, cause I, I remember after the 2019 Western States, I, I said to, I said to my dad, I was like, what should I study at university? Like, how, can I just get a desk job where my job is to go in, sit down, do the work, get out, go to bed? Like, just, I just want a job where it's very, very routine based and I can't just continually like let myself down. Cause it just felt like every training round, I was letting my coach down. I was letting myself down. Then I'd race and I felt like I let the world down when like in the real, scope of things this is like this small bubble of of running people that care and then there's the rest of the world that's just like you did what <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think that that's kind of where I had to understand that like yeah there just needed to be a shift and that's why now I'm like self-coached because the only person that cares what I do is me and I just do it how I wish and how I feel and go back to that kind of intuition and just listening to my body and doing what what feels best for me That's hard though, too, because that small piece that you were talking about, even though it is a very small part of the world, like it's your world, you know, that's a, that's a lot of people for you. It is, it is. But I think it's really helpful for me to have those, to realize the scope of the bigger world and to have friends that are not in that bubble. And, you know, I think I know a lot of like elite athletes that do still have their other jobs, whether it be in, in law or in technology or something and it's when they go to their workspace and they run their 50k or race on the weekend you know the questions aren't kind of like what was your time what was your split you know it's just like wow and do you stop during that do you sleep how do you eat and it's kind of like back to those like really basic and you tell them and they're just they're amazed um and I think we all crave to feel amazing to someone Mm -hmm. and sometimes I think that it's really important that you remove yourself from that bubble. Um, and that's what I hadn't done for a long time. I lived, breathed and dreamed it. And um, now it's kind of just fun. Even the place I'm staying in Boulder at the moment, it, they've got some housemates and they're just, you know, some of them are athletes, some of them are not. And we were sitting down. It was just so cool to hear about their passions and what they're interested in books and, you know, how creative in their artwork. And I'm just like, wow, we really all have I think they're amazing, whether they think their art is no, nothing as good as someone else's. And I'm like, well, my times, I think, aren't as good as someone else's. Like, we're all just comparing. 
But when you exit a bubble and you enter a new one and you see what someone else is doing and you appreciate it, that person is just feels like they've been seen and heard in a space that maybe they didn't feel like they belonged because they weren't that good. Um, and so it's like an interesting thing that I just love about traveling is uh, just the ability to connect with people and to say like, you, you are amazing for what you do, you know, and moms that are training and racing and putting themselves through just like these crazy routines is so inspiring and everyone's life position is so different. And I just think that that's the most incredible thing about sport and life and everyone's kind of different directions that they go. Yeah. It's like when you go to meet new friends, like, excuse me, do you run? Okay. You don't run great. Let's be friends. <laughs> totally. Totally. Come into my circle. <laughs> yeah. Let me hear about what you do. I don't want to talk about running anymore. I've been doing it all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to shift to hear about your Ironman experience. I mean, this is wild. And you said you're self-coached. Did you pick up a triathlon coach when you decided to take on the endeavor? No, no, I just wow. myself. So I, after Western States went poorly, I had about three months of mourning that <laughs> um, and just kind of navigating that feeling of not finishing the one thing that I had on my calendar for the year. And then, so I'd entered this Ironman in Australia two years ago in COVID, but Australia shut down and the West, so I live on the East, the West was like a different country. You could not get in or out. Out. And so I couldn't get there for two years. And I was like, oh, this was kind of like a really nice COVID project, but it wouldn't really fit in a good season of my ultra running because I would be very tired come December. But because Western States didn't go well, and I had three months of really not doing a whole lot of running, um, I felt really fresh and really inspired. And so I really dropped running back. I just swam and cycled a whole lot. Just kind of uh, cycling was something that really terrified me. I first time using cleats, uh, being on the roads with cars and just kind of, yeah, just not knowing the whole machine of a bike. I've never had to rely on something like that. Like running is me. If I roll an ankle, it's my body. I know how to fix it or I know what I need to do. Whereas like a bike, I couldn't even take the back wheel off. I didn't know what where anything went. Um, and so just like learning all these different things, I felt like I was just constantly so proud of myself. I was like, Lucy, you just rode for two hours. That's insane. And like, oh, you made it up the hill that you've been falling off so many times with your cleats. Congratulations. This is your longest swim. What an amazing, you know, it was just achievement after achievement. And really for me, just super encouraging. So I went to the Ironman and I mean, it's the biggest privilege to do something for the first time every time you know you only get your first time once and that first time just like that first western states i went in being like i've just wanted to do an iron man this is going to be ticking my bucket list and then i can move on and it was a great experience um and so it kind of yeah i coached myself towards it i was just super grateful to feel inspired and be excited about it and i felt like the drop back of running and the new two new sports that kind of came with the mindset of like let's just be grateful we get through it, um, meant that I kind of had a day that was just really enjoyable. I had no expectations. I had no comparisons. It was just like, well, here we go. Oh, the swim took an hour. Amazing. That's, that seemed faster than I thought it was going to. Oh, the cycle's over. I really thought this was going to feel like forever, but there's just so much support. It's really nice. And then it was like when I hit the marathon run, I was just like, 
oh goodness, this is so great. Like I know how to do this. This is so simple. And, you know, and you're passing people because everyone's getting really tired, but I was just coming into my element. It was like, oh, now I can show what I do. And so I kind of finished and was just so pleased with how it went. Um, And then obviously got offered a spot to go to Kona. And I was just one of those moments where I was like, I feel like this is what was meant to happen you know now i'm going to to do this again and i'm going to try and replicate not try and replicate what i did i'm not going to try and ex- create that experience again this is a t- entirely new place and i feel like it's like the western states return it's like now you've learned what you've learned you've had four years like let's take that forward and see how you can navigate this um and i think for me it's also really lucky in that triathlon is not my sport you know yeah. so I feel that I don't need to prove anything I'm not trying to yeah try and be at the the, the cream of the crop of, of this thing it's not what I'm sponsored for it's not what my profession is it's merely just a hobby that seems to have just taken me now to the big island um and it, it's just a really exciting opportunity so what does that look like though with Solomon doing this like it's not what you're sponsored for, but what does their sponsorship look like in supporting you through this? Yeah, they were kind of, I mean, after Western States, they really just said, you do you, like, you need to just like chill out, find, think about what you want to do um, and kind of come up with a bit of a plan. And I said, I've got this Ironman. I totally know that it's not what your sport is. Um, but you know, Solomon has created road shoes. So I was like, it'd be cool to kind of like take that to the triathlon world. And and I think they saw the response of me doing Bustleton Ironman in Australia and I had immense support and really kind of, it was a really cool story that was told really well with Ironman. Mm -hmm. And so I think they saw that and then they saw Kona come onto the cards and they were kind of like, well, you could make this work and we will support you through that. Like, we think it's like really cool. You know, it's you doing the triathlon training is making you also just a better runner, a better ambassador, a better, like, you know, you're really glowing with this kind of on your horizon. And if that's what it takes, then heck yeah, like, let's do this. And um, I mean, Solomon has been with me since I was 16 years old. So it's 10 years with this brand. Wow. So it's really, really beautiful for them to to back me across the multi-sport. Um, and yeah, so it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I do think we're seeing a shift in how sponsorship models work too. And if sponsors would allow athletes to do what they love, they're going to have a happier athlete. I mean, as you're talking, I very much was thinking of Grayson Murphy here in the States who like, she just wasn't feeling happy doing what she was doing. So she started mountain running and doing all these things. And then she dabbled back in steeplechase. And it seems like she's her happiest self doing those things. And so um, I just think there's so much value in in that rather than just like putting the pressure on to like win, 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 or be podium, podium, podium. Because what happens when you're doing what you love is those things oftentimes follow. Totally. And I think like, you know, change is as good as a holiday. And it's so nice to do. I mean, I think that we we get so caught up in like the different types of running, the track running, the mountain running, the road running, Ironman. And I really wanted to show like with doing the Ironman is that like endurance sport is an endurance sport. Whether you're out cycling, swimming and running, or you're just out running or you're doing whatever, 
we're all just out there, like enduring the conditions, taking on what we can, pushing ourselves to our limits and kind of, you know, finding what our potential is for that day. And I think that we're 99% the same as athletes. And then there's the 1% different, which is maybe like, yeah, the length of what you do, the different sports. And so I think that, you know, I said to Solomon, I was like, this is, why would you not support this? Because this is a whole new space that you're not known in. Why would you want someone to be there being like, I'm I'm going to represent a, a brand that's not here and maybe open people's eyes to it. And I think that that's kind of like Grayson's an, a perfect example because she's just made herself known in all these different areas, you know, and then you go into like the entrepreneurial part of her with her diary, you know, she's just got all these arms and when one's not maybe feeling so hot, she can move to something else. And I think that brands really probably don't realize that the the support that the community gives to someone for doing something different and maybe something that's unconventional or maybe it's something that like the Ironman for me, which I was, you know, like cycling scares me. And, you know, I think that that creates this kind of camaraderie and this real kind of like, I relate to that. I relate to doing something that scares me and I can't do or that I, I, I want to get better at. Um, and I think that that's more powerful for the brand than standing on a podium of every 100 mile race. That's just like rise, run, rinse, repeat, you know, it gets kind of boring. Um, and so I think that changing that narrative and changing that story and having little offshoots of directions, like I will always come back to trail running. It is my, where my heart is, but I absolutely just love having those kind of little pivots and I and I'm really grateful for all the brands that support me for um for backing that but how do you conquer your fear of cycling because it like I did a half Ironman one time in 2013 and I always said I think the thing stopping me from doing a full is the time on the bike for multiple reasons one because the time on the bike but (laughs) but two like it scares me it's like so dangerous Totally. I, and I'm not completely over it for yeah, sure. Yeah, getting hit by a car. I mean, that's what the fear is. That's what the fear is. And like, the thing is, is that like for the race, there are no cars. So it's yeah. kind of like, why do I need to practice? You know, like, wh- why do I need to put myself in this risky situation to do something that I don't even have to like, it's not a risk in the race. And I, from what I hear from a lot of people is that they will just be on trainers for most of it, like indoors, because of the safety concern, um, of the, that, that anxiety that comes with it. Like it's, it's something that can be more stressful than what riding for five, six hours needs to be. Yeah. For me, it was kind of like, I lent heavily on the riding community once, uh, COVID opened up and I was able to run a ride with with people. I really not in a group. I didn't enjoy the group situations, but just one other person that I could just, they could teach me how to, to kind of navigate that, how to signal, how to be safe. Um, and it's just been something that's just like, get experience, like keep putting yourself out there. But for me, like I waste so much energy on the bike because I'm like grouping so hard and I'm so nervous and I'm so tense in my upper body. Um, that I like struggle to probably fuel as well on the bike, which then affects my run, which should be my, the thing that I'm the, the uh, good at. Um, and so it's just something that it's just like navigate, like just got to keep putting yourself in the uncomfortable position until you start to feel a little more comfortable about it. But it's something that I, I don't know if I ever will, because there'll always be that car that comes too close that, 
wet road that skidded a little like you know it's just like when you roll your ankle on the trail and suddenly you don't trust no steps <laughs> so it's um yeah I can't say I have an answer for you except for keep putting yourself out there and and try and mitigate all the the things that can go wrong but at the end of the day sometimes it's not even up to you it's uh it's just what happens out there uh, you seem to be good, though, at putting yourself in situations that may scare you or may scare the average person, I guess I would say. Yeah, I do feel like I'm probably and that, that's my personality. Of yeah. just kind of like how close to the line. can Yeah. We <laughs> um, did you have the fastest run time in the Ironman that you did? I did outside yeah. of the pro field. I ran a 320 marathon off the back, 319. Um, and I think, yeah, I think the the pros were kind of like a three- Three ten. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, my cycle was my definitely my downfall. I think I swam pretty well. I was in like seventh in my age group, and then I dropped to like thirteenth in my age group on the bike. And then yeah, the difference on the run is is quite amazing. You can really if you can run and you enjoy it. I think also what helped is that it was an out and back course of eight times. And so I think me mentally being quite a positive person, someone who's run a lot of monotonous training runs, um, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, like one is a course recce, two is a quarter way, three is like, you know, whatever. And I was just really positive about it. Um, Whereas I think it was really hard for people to keep running past that finish line shoot and just being like, oh my God, this is never going to end. Um, yeah. So for me, it was uh, definitely the most joyful and and it was just really so grateful to get off that bike and just be like, oh goodness, this feels just beautiful. There is nothing better than like starting the run as a runner in a triathlon. You're like, oh, oh yeah. finally, we're at my spot. <laughs> totally, totally. You can see it in the, the video that Iron Man made. I'm just like, so so joyful the whole time because I was like I know how to suffer in a run and yeah. I can drop to a walk whereas in a bike once I don't really know how to suffer on that and I'm scared of falling off the bike if I got too tired so I kind of definitely don't push myself that way yeah uh well I, I hate to end it and you know for those listening I know we covered western states a lot and I know there's so many other prestigious ultra races that you've done and won and that we didn't cover uh, but also Lucy has been on 900,000 podcasts, so you can definitely hear more details um, about those stories on those shows as well. Um, but what is something professionally or or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? I would love to do a kid's book. I've always wanted to do something. I feel like I'm so lucky to be so young in this sport. Um, and it's definitely an older person sport. And so I can, I do a lot of school talks and I feel like I can relate to the younger generation. And so I really think that whilst I'm still considered young and uh, like, a, you know, a lot of kids are like, oh, you're kind of cool. And I was like, that's going to stop real soon. <laughs> <laughs> I need to seize this moment. And I've always wanted to kind of put something out there that just maybe for like really young kids to talk about getting out and jumping in puddles, being environmentally like a little aware of what you where you are. Um, but that's something that's always been on my to-do list. I love that. That's so good. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? So I just read a book called Slummer and it's about running. It's about running in 2084. So it's a future book. Wow. And it's based in Ohio and it is phenomenal. I, I've read a lot of books, uh, running and non-running. And this one was one of the best. Uh, and it's about this, this guy who 
Um, so it's like he he actually the writer worked at Ohio State and so he saw the difference in what like someone with money and someone without money what their running career would look like and so 2084 is like the extrapolation of that where when the uh, before a kid is born you can kind of like buy the sports package where you're given like the the good vo2 the bone density the you know you have speed in you and this slummer this kid who's born naturally with no not given that package is really talented and it's about him trying to compete against these genetically modified humans um and it's just amazing i really recommend it wow uh, yeah it's a really good book <laughs> how'd you even find that book my dad got it for me for christmas he saw it online and dad's a bit of a sucker for an online purchase so he was like it's a bit of a gamble but you might like it and i read it in three days i was meant to be my america trip book but i finished it on the plane and i oh, was like wow. phenomenal yeah <laughs> how long are you over here I'm here until January 29th. Okay. And then you go to New Zealand to race a hundred miles. Yeah. Okay. How are you? And then, and then Kona is like September, right? Yeah. So it's, it's actually kind of exciting. And this will be the first time that I say it out loud. And I don't know if it's a possibility, but if I came top three in this race in New Zealand, I would qualify for UTMB, which is the oh. big mile race in Europe. And then that would be August and then Kona would be October. And I was like, pretty cool to do the two biggest races of the two different sports within six or seven weeks. And I was like, I kind of think it would work. I don't think either of them would be to my potential, but I think that once you did UTMB, if you swam and ride to recover slash, yeah, mainly to recover and then did Kona and you, after running a hundred miles around Mont Blanc. I feel like a marathon in Hawaii will seem like a nice, nice jog. <laughs> um, so it, it, that's like my, like, Oh, maybe that could work, but it'll be what it'll be in February. Whatever you get in the race. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how cool. And yeah. then would you alter your UTMB training if this were, were to pan out to do more, like to do some cycling during your training where you normally wouldn't? Totally. So yeah. I would really kind of like, I wouldn't be training as high a mileage in running, but I would have more hours on the bike. Um, a lot of think, endurance. Yeah. And I think that that's what I've learned the most about from triathlon training is whether I was doing Kona or not, I will train like a triathlete because it is so healthy. Mm, it just feels absolutely. the body. I'm like, why would you double run when you could run? And then you get the same benefit of flushing, you get the cardio, you get everything without the impact. And then swimming just feels like a massage. It's just like a nice rehab stretching of the body, using your upper body a little bit. It just feels healthier. And so that's like my favorite thing about this whole process is that now I'm just like this advocate for, yeah, running's great, but you don't need to run that much to like mm -hmm. be good. I, I know, like when I was actually starting to listen to podcasts, prepping for this, if you on other shows, you were on a triathlon show. And like immediately I was like, I need to get to a pool. And I literally went and toured the Y this morning. Oh, that's so good. I don't have a gym membership because we have like a treadmill and weights in our garage. And I usually just run outside and we used to have a gym membership and then COVID happened. So we canceled and we never got back. And I was like, I have got to get into a pool once a week. And so I literally as I was listening to the second half of that podcast, I went and was like, I don't need you to tell me anything about the facility. Can I just like walk around and see what your pool looks like in your weight room? But yeah, I'm like, I'm inspired to, to cross train some more. 
Oh, that's so awesome. That makes me so happy. I feel like swimming is like my, my mental silence. And I just, I love, I'm actually going to go for a swim in Boulder this afternoon. Um, my friends are going to the gym and I was like, yeah, I don't need to do that, but can I use the pool? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that it's just the best. I, I really appreciate what my body can do when it's been moving in so many different ways. Uh, okay. Two more questions. What, who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring? You'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with it's going to be tea. Cause she doesn't drink coffee or cocktails. <laughs> oh, who would I do? I would love to sit down with Alex Honnold. Um, so the climber, I think he just is just so fascinating. His headspace, his kind of watching free solo his film reading his book I'm just like dude exists on a different level of um you know I talk about walking the line I mean I'm walking not on not near a line (laughs) (laughs) oh totally oh my gosh yeah I watched that documentary too it always makes me sweaty (laughs) oh yeah even though you know like what the outcome is going to be in the video totally yeah he's alive (laughs) yeah he's alive um what's your last message to leave with the audience today I think what I really would love to leave with the audience and I think what we spoke about is just like you don't have to achieve anything or do anything to be considered a runner and to be a part of something that's a really beautiful sport and it should be you know so inclusive and so welcoming and there's no minimum pace no minimum distance it's just like doesn't matter what you look like doesn't matter how you do it you can run backwards you're still a runner and I think that just kind of like owning that and acknowledging it my pet peeve is meeting people and they're like I'm not really a runner but I run 30 minutes a few days times a week and I was like that's that's really a runner like you know, I think the dictionary definition is maybe like a little bit warped for some people. And I think that there should be nothing. You should, you should be so proud of saying, I run. I'm a runner. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I love it. You know, and what you're good is someone else is great. What, you know, and it's just like the comparison doesn't need to be there. You just focus on you and be really proud of the fact that you take that time every day or a few times a week or a few times a month or a few times a year to put your shoes on, to go outside and to set that time aside to look after your mental health and to improve your physical health. I think that's worth being super proud of and um, acknowledging that, yeah, you are a runner. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Lucy, for coming on the podcast. You can follow Lucy on Instagram. She is Lucy underscore Bartholomew over there. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 I would love to connect with you on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm at Lindsay Hine. You can learn more about all the podcasts in this network at sandyboyproductions.com. You'll also find the show notes to the episode with everything we talked about, sponsor, discount codes, all of that at sandyboyproductions.com. You can actually sign up for our newsletter over there, and then the show notes will just be delivered to your inbox once a week. Um, big thanks to Lagoon. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay, L-A-N-D-S-E-Y, and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first order for the best pillow you'll ever sleep on. I also want to thank Athletic Greens for supporting the podcast. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your purchase. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next Friday on All Have Another.